Hey, what's up, y'all? It's Will here at ScheduleFly. This was a fun interview with Teddy Diggs. Uh, Teddy is the owner of Coronado Pizza in Carborough, North Carolina. And we did the interview this week. He had been open, or they had been open for two and a half weeks. So it was really nice of him to take the time to chat with us. Teddy has uh, got a long career in the hospitality business. Um, he's a very experienced and well-known and well thought of and uh, very successful chef. We He serves, he and his group at Coronado Pizza serve uh, Roman style pizza. So we dove into what that means and boy that was fun. Uh, Teddy sort of broke down the history of pizza during this interview which is very cool. Um, we talked about uh, sobriety. He's been sober for 18 months now and we talked about why and we just talked about a lot of things that are going on in the industry and we talked about what's happening with his business and what his philosophies are really cool dude we had a great time we we spoke for uh, gosh a little over an hour and I learned a lot I think that he enjoyed sharing his story and I think you'll enjoy listening Thanks. Have a good one. More episodes coming soon. See y'all. All right. What's up, y'all? It's Will here at ScheduleFly, and I'm in Carver, North Carolina today. I'm with Teddy Diggs. We're at his new place, uh, Coronado Pizza, which literally opened just two and a half weeks ago. Two and so a half, yeah. He's a busy dude, and he was kind enough to take some time with us today and to share his story and what he's learned in the hospitality business and why he's passionate about it. So, man, thank you very yeah. much. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for being here. Yeah. So, okay. I, you know, did my research, read your site and stuff like that. So you grew up in a military family. You're yep. moving around a lot. Uh, got dialed into the, the concept of food pretty early on or just yep. food as a way to bring people together. Well, yeah. I mean, um, it really was an escape for me at first. Um, <clears throat> I, I lived when I we lived, my dad was a, a naval pilot when I was a kid. So we lived uh, in Oklahoma at a, a naval pilot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. So nice. he, we lived in, uh, in Oklahoma near an air force base <clears throat> for uh, a little while. And I moved there in third grade and right after I had moved there, I guess the food network kind of around that time had just come out yeah. uh, and started and maybe we were a test market or something like that. But I just remember like some old school, really like low budget, uh, food network shows that I just used to love to watch and I'd be oh, cool. like allotted 30 minutes of TV a night and I would always watch food network and there were some really good old ones and that uh, that's like when I fell in love with like Emerald Lagasse like his mm -hmm. first show like before Emerald Live Essence of Emerald was just like a white background and he had like <laughs> metal metro shelving behind him and, uh, and and from there it changed my life I started getting his cookbooks after that and uh it was really just as we were moving around from place to place, you know, it was an escape for me to not only kind of dig in and learn about new foods through the cookbooks um, or on TV, but uh, also culturally, wherever we would live, it would always be like an exploration. So in Oklahoma, like I have vivid memories of going to like um, Indian plantations and, and eating native fry bread and stuff oh, like wow. that. And yeah. when we lived in Rhode Island, it was like we would you know, my mom and I would search for the best New England clam chowder for that year we lived in Newport, yeah. Rhode Island. And, and so no matter where we were, it was um, really a great 
it was an escape for me mentally, but also uh, a great way for me to connect to the people around me. And I didn't know at the time that it was going to really translate into something larger for my life. Uh, but in hindsight, I can really see how, you know, f- food creates identity for people and also helps bring people together by uh, being able to share that, that cultural identity with others. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, uh, so you started to, um, get real dialed in and went to, you went to culinary institute yeah i okay. went to it so i was i did i did high school in northern virginia area okay and uh did culinary classes in high school and um and then went to culinary institute of america right out right out of high school and uh from there did my externship back in the washington dc area with a chef called fabio trabocchi who now has a, a whole uh, restaurant empire around the world in miami and venice oh, wow. and okay. a bunch of places in dc um, but he, we worked in the Ritz Carlton in Tyson's Corner, Virginia at a restaurant called Maestro. Um, and <clears throat> that's where he won James Beard award and, uh, food and wine best new chef when I was with him. So it was a really intense, uh, span of years that I kind of, uh, learned from him. And pe- a lot of people ask me, you know, did, where did you study in Italy? And I, and I joke saying that that was really my Italian that study was it, yeah. because I was there for, you know, 120 to 140 hours a week constantly. And about 70% of the people in the kitchen were Italian and you got cursed at in Italian and yeah. they, they yelled at you in Italian. And so the thought process and how you handle ingredients and how you talk about food and how you approach food and all the techniques were very much as if I were, I might as well have been in Italy for those <laughs> handful of years that I worked in that restaurant. So that was really my uh, exposure into Italian Italian culture and Italian cuisine. Um, some b- people say, "Are you Italian?" And 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 you cook like an Italian. And really, I got it through the bones of doing my externship there, graduating from Culinary Institute of America, and then coming back and working for a handful of years with Fabio at Maestro. How long were you with him? Uh, about four years in total, with including the externship and whatnot. So you really soaked in that culture, that style of food. Um, and the way they approach hospitality, what did you, what were some of the biggest things you picked up from him? Well, you know, it's interesting because looking back on it, so Maestro was, you know, you know, five star, four diamond. It was like elite dining. It was very fine dining. It was tasting menu only. And so looking back on it, it kind of that's kind of interesting when you think of it for an Italian restaurant because mm-hmm. it kind of contrasts kind of what now really attracts me to Italian food, which is the comfort and the connectivity yes. that it can have. Um, and so, in a lot of ways, it was Italian, but it was French-driven in the ingredients and the technique. Um, so, what I learned there was first and foremost work ethic and discipline. Um, but as as far as as far as the food goes, I kind of saw as I the further I get away from that experience, the more I see uh, a contrast in what I'm doing now um, to the point where I was actually having this memory yesterday where I was thinking there was at one point where I got in trouble for something and I thought I like sent Fabio. He would plate all the food. And there was one point I sent him a pasta dish that I thought was like absolutely phenomenal and delicious in my mind. I was so proud of it when I gave it to him to put on the plate. And he sent it back and said, this isn't, you know, an effing trattoria. You know, if you want to be a chef at a trattoria, there's better places for you to work. And I remember that struck me Hmm. because at that point I thought, you know, wow. It completely blindsided me because I hadn't differentiated the 
the idea of Ita- regional Italian cooking and as far as comfort food and approachability with what we were, had yet, what we had been doing at yeah. Maestro. So it was really, uh, it really was a poignant uh, moment because it allowed me to kind of say, oh, there's, there's a there's varying levels of of cooking yeah. and fine dining and so once i left maestro i was really trying to search for something where i could find my niche that gave that provided my soul with the connectivity with the food that i wanted to be producing yeah and i think when you can find that you really that, that's when you can hit a home run that's when you really can um that's when your effort and your energy and your thought process really translates to the guests through the food yeah, yeah. Did did you when you talk about um learning work ethic and discipline, do you think do you think you learn that or do you think you're wired that way? I'm always curious about this stuff and it just was that's where it was first engaged or fully engaged. Yeah, I think you're I think you're wired that way. Yeah. Um but I mean cuz otherwise you so it, that's a tough yeah. rigorous schedule to so, some people just don't. I mean, I think it, you're wired that way. Um, but more, more to the point, I think those work ethic and, and discipline are more like muscles that, if mm. you've been, if if you work them out, they get stronger. And yes, so if you point. if you get put into a position where you're just overwhelmed with those things and you have never experienced it before, you're going to get steamrolled, right? So yep. you have to be you have to be strong enough at that point to be able to accept whatever position you're in in order to be able to adapt and to continue to grow. So it's just like if you were, you know, a weakling and you had never lifted weights before, you can't, you can't bench 225, you know, so you got to work up to that level. So it's just making sure that you can, you're at the right place at the right time uh, to be able to handle all of that. Do you think like the, um, you mentioned like being cursed out in Italian and stuff like that. Is that, um, do you see that? less and less in kitchens these days or I think so you know I, I started I hope so as well um, uh, it, it's we've had a great we're working on a great cultural shift I think in our industry yeah, and I think that I think it's, so it's overdue and much needed and um, I understand where and why it kind of came about but that's certainly something that I'm trying to be uh, a leader in not only in my own restaurant but in my restaurant community is being saying this is like this is something that is not okay and we can get better results looking at things differently that's a such an immature and um, ineffective way to approach things from a leadership perspective so uh, even if it's you know even if it is not changing culturally um, I would hope that there are more people who understand that there's better way to approach situations than uh, cursing and screaming and getting aggravated well, it's a bigger view, a longer view, um, a more comprehensive view of, of how to get results and, you know, the yelling at some, whatever. I mean, that kind of culture, you might get an immediate result um, because the person's there and they got to respond and react or whatever. But you have people that don't have as much maybe trust or respect in you, maybe not won't, won't be around as long. And, and you know, yeah. when, you, when you have that different approach, it fosters this longevity in your your team that they want to achieve things that you want them to achieve versus having to achieve things. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, it's all about teamwork. And if you are barking orders, then you're not working together as a team. Yeah. And so you're really, uh, you're really having as you're putting yourself in a hole as a leader, because you're going to have to really pull, pull everyone 
with you. It's a constant struggle to pull rather than moving forward together as a united team. Yeah. Um, so if you work in a collaborative environment, which wouldn't be an environment that has a lot of uh, animosity and screaming and, and so forth, then you're really working together as a team and there's team ownership in it. And then each individual uh, is going to have more to offer the, to the establishment, to the environment. So um, that's how I see it anyways. Tough though, because it's a, it's a high pressure environment. I mean, you guys are, you know, I mean, it's high pressure only if you make it high pressure. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So it's all about the approach. It's about from start to finish and, and really that, you know, that's why, yeah, I mean, a lot of people say you, uh, another pizzeria or you're opening another pizzeria. Well, conceptually we're doing something a little bit different, which we can get into in a minute, but, um, I'm opening a restaurant, not just to open another restaurant or pizzeria. Um, you know, I've gone through some big, big transformations in my professional and personal life. And this is really bring coming full circle on both of them. And I'm really opening opened, have opened Coronado to, um, kind of change how restaurants and the restaurant community operates. And that's, that goes back to, it's really how you design everything from the beginning, from the organization of the restaurant to the floor layout, to the staffing, to the equipment you get, to how you're going to staff it, to, um, how you manage that staff. And, um, if you're organized and thoughtful from the beginning of the concept, you can do it in a way where you do it where you're, yes, there's always going to be a little bit of stress, but if you are always trying to grow and improve, you're always putting yourself in that position, uh, to, to have stress. Right. I mean, that's part of growth. Yeah. Growth isn't, isn't easy. Right. Right. Growth is difficult and goes through stress and that's when you grow, but don't look at it a negative thing. It, It becomes negative once the person who's going through it can't manage it and uses vices or uses negative approaches to be able to lead their team through those stressful situations. If you go through those stressful situations and you take it as a growth opportunity and you look at it and you're grateful for the opportunity and grateful for the stress that you're going through, understanding that it's going to contribute to your growth and and Mm. contribute to the direction, help you achieve the goals you want, then it, it mellows everything out a little bit. If you come approach it with gratitude, you're, you're much more able to um, manage the team more effectively and create an environment where everyone else can be successful. Lots to unpack there. I love this. Love this. Because uh, when you talk about that, it, and you mentioned like going to the gym, um, you know, you, you, when you go to the gym and you lift weights, you're expecting, especially if you're lifting something heavy, you're going to be sore. You're going to have, yeah, you know, uh, exactly. yeah. but what's going to happen? Your right. muscle is going right. to grow. Cause you tear, it's going you to tear the muscle you, to rebuild tear it, it down mm-hmm. to, to make it bigger. And that's, uh, you know, I'm 45 now. It's taken me a long, you're, you're a younger man. You, you, it's taken me a long time in life to really, un, to value, uh, tough situations or stressful situations and take them for what they are as an opportunity to learn and grow. And there's a, um, there's a book I read a book I love called anti-fragile which is the concept of, you know, things are either, they're either fragile where like a teacup, you push it off the table, it's going to break or they're robust. Like this table here, if I hit it, it's not going to break, but it's not going to improve. And if you're anti-fragile means that when there's significant stress, you respond by getting better or yeah. growing. And oh that's, yeah. I love that thought. 
That's that. Yeah. It's it, the guy, Nassim Taleb, he coined that term anti-fragile, but I really like that. It really helped me start thinking about stressful times and tough situations is this is, this is actually good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, we, we you, need you, it. you have to know it's going to happen. This is what you're saying. It's things can't, you know, even as much as you plan, there's going to be stressful things, are, but that's gotta be something you go, okay, good. All right. This is a stressful time. Let's figure out how do we get better yeah. from this which is how you're yeah. trying to lead yeah yeah and 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 through all that also having the thought process that we are going to achieve our goals right yes. part of part of stress also comes through anxiety right what's going to happen what's going to what are we going to do tonight in covers what are we going to how is this going to happen how is our dough going to react how are we going to be able to handle this and just relax and say we're going to get to our goals because we're determined to get to our goals right yeah. we're, term, we're determined to meet them yeah. So if we in our if our goal is to meet our goals, then there's really nothing to stress about, right? Don't get anxious and and just let things come come at you because you're prepared to handle them, right? I mean that's the idea of it, and so that's why I try to uh, that's how I try to support the team is by saying you know whatever comes, we'll handle it to the best of our ability. I'm proud of our team. I'm confident in the people who work here, and I'll let them know that. But you're making these decisions, and I'm confident in your decisions. Even if it is the wrong one, we're going to learn from it and we'll be better off because you made a decision rather than being anxious about it and losing our, losing our cool. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Um, what a refreshing perspective. Yeah, I think the industry is, I mean, more and more owners I talk to are thinking of it that way or in a similar way. The industry needs that. The industry's yeah. had a lot of issues with, uh, I mean, stress relief has a lot of times been drugs and alcohol and yeah. abuse and, you know, work hard, well, play hard. I mean, that's, kind of where stuff. I, that's where it came from. So I'm, uh, I think around this time, I'm about 18 months sober. Okay. And so, like, I came from, you know, working in an environment where it was, like, when I was started 18, even 17, 16 in high school, you know, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. A lot of debauchery and yelling, and yeah. that was the environment that attracted me to the industry to begin with. That was a release. That was acceptable. That was okay. Yeah, it was just part um, of the culture. And it really came to a tipping point over the the within the past you know few years where it was just you know uh, I was getting results professionally and also seeing personally and from a health standpoint my life taking a backward slide mm. um and so at some point you have to say w where's the balance of this it's not sustainable it's not sustainable yeah. and uh and so in order to achieve th my goals that i wanted from my personal self for my health for my family for my children uh with my wife uh, i had to change change things so i think like uh almost you know almost two years ago i became vegetarian Okay. And, uh, and that was a big change. And I kind of did that more for a self-discipline yeah. approach, which, uh -huh. a lot, you know, is like a lot of, a lot of times people are like, Oh, surprised that I'm vegetarian. Um, just because I'm a chef, but I did it, um, at first to build that self-discipline muscle. And, um, and I don't think if I did that, I wouldn't have been able to become sober as well. So uh, that was a that, again because yes. you're building those self-discipline muscles. Once you've built that muscle in one domain, it's it's a little easier to transfer it to another. Yeah, the discipline. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be, I and like. So, it. And so yeah. all that kind of helped shape the what 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 became Coronado. About at, about eighty percent of our menu is vegetarian, mm -hmm. um, and it's not like 
just you know you can't look at the menu and be like oh this is vegetarian i'm not coming here it's pizza you know yeah. a lot of it's pizza so you're looking at it and you're saying um you don't even recognize it as vegetarian and then we have a few you know classic salumis and things like that like pepperoni and things like that so if you wanted to add those to any of the pizzas you could as well so it's also not you know, and, and also that being said, and I might be getting off track a little no, bit. No, but, no, 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 we're not at all. Um, all that being said, it's also about where the meat's coming for, from. So we use firsthand foods for all our, our protein, um, for North Carolina protein. Like we got braised lamb meatballs, you know, local North Carolina lamb. So it's also about the meat you use has to be good meat. So we're not looking at like, we're not looking at like commodity meat. We're looking at small scale farms nice. and fishermen nice. and, and all that. So, yeah. So if you're going to serve meat, it might as well be the, the Rolls Royce of meats. You sure. know what I mean? Hell yeah. I love it. So I'm not against meat eaters by any chance, but it was definitely a big lifestyle change for me. Not only to, you know, I've lost about 65 pounds now in the past year and a half and through, through the vegetarian sobriety and, um, 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 just exercise and just creating more of a balance of life and being able to do that while in the rest while excelling in the restaurant community and all also opening a restaurant has been pretty pretty self rewarding dude well cheers with some water man yeah, that's uh <laughs> look it's it's hard to uh god it's hard enough to so this is your first place you've owned yourself right? yes uh-huh. so you started your first place you own yourself yeah. you moved here well you've been here for what five years it's about so six were, years okay. now mm-hmm. So you've, you've, you didn't just move to the community, but uh, you're starting your first place. You've transferred your diet to a vegetarian diet. You've, you've gone so... I mean, this is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of stuff, but it, it's, it's energy. But I you're mean, it, drawing... I, it just puts more energy into everything I'm doing. So yeah. uh, it's, not, it's, it's not weight. It's actually fuel, you know? Yeah. So everything yes. I'm doing, including opening a restaurant, a lot of people, you know, I was um, talking to my friend... Ashley Christensen and about opening. She's a, was opening poolside. So we've been kind of, we're opening pizza. Tw- yeah. We have pizza twins kind of cause she's opening poolside pies while I'm opening Coronado. Yeah. So we're doing a lot of, a, a lot of talking and stuff like that. And one point we're just like, I don't want to say griping, but just talking about the process of opening a restaurant and, and kind of the bewilderment and just the, you know, can you believe this? And that happened. And can you believe that cost that and all yeah. this? And then, you know, at the end of it, I'm like, I feel like energy running through my veins and I'm like, but I love it. You know, yeah. it gives me, you know, whereas in the past, I think if I was, uh, in that different mindset, uh, a few years ago, it, it probably would have, I would have allowed it to wear me out mm-hmm. and then I would have tried to refuel using, you know, alcohol or, or something that wouldn't have, uh, promoted like health and, and positive vibration. So, <laughs> you know, this is something I think is so exciting to see for your industry because like a lot of this stuff i started doing these interviews teddy like guys 2019 we wrote our first our first book was published in 2011 restaurant owners uncorked and it was a collection of interviews that we did with 20 owners and all the questions i was asking then it was a lot of this stuff like tell me about negotiating a good lease how do you find and retain good staff and all that uh my conversations with owners now are a lot more around balance, work, life, balance, health, diet, exercise, nutrition, philosophy. I mean, there's, there's just more of, I'm seeing a lot more of that now people taking that very seriously because it, because it's sustainable because it enables you to, um, take the, 
the philosophical approach you have about stress and about planning and about what what can we do to set our entire team and our entire organization up for success not just today but <clears throat> for the long term um, I, I love seeing that I, I think that's a really really important thing for this industry and it's making the industry just a lot better not just for the people in it but for ultimately for the customer yeah I mean I think that that and that's what it, and that you know we have to we have to keep in mind that it is a business and yeah and, uh, and the reason why are we you always have to go back to the the reason why are we why are we in this business why do we own restaurants um, you have to always remind yourself these questions you know who what draws me to this what Yes. Why am I in this industry? Stop and, and also, what is the daily purpose of it? And it's to make yourself and others feel fulfilled. Um, yeah. And I mean, and so you have to always remind yourself that it's not, it's not about the grind. It's not about, you know, you have to, yes, from a dollar, dollar standpoint, you have to run a successful business. And there's different ways to do that and manage from an employee standpoint, from a uh, sales standpoint, but also... Um, you know, to me, it's, you have to live out your dream, right? Mm -hmm. And, and my dream, you know, since I was in third grade was to, uh, have an escape through food that gave me energy and to also, uh, be able to share that with others. I mean, I remember, um, Emerald's first cookbook that I got, uh, uh, um, he had Aunt Ruth's banana nut bread and I cooked the hell out of that recipe <laughs> and i remember like even in like fourth grade i would go i went over to the neighbor's house and asked to borrow sugar and bananas to make the banana nut bread and at the end of it you know i brought the completed banana nut loaf of bread back to them right and so it, at the time again these are one of those things where you don't it doesn't stick out but yeah. looking back on it it's like I'd ask my neighbor basically for half the ingredients of this banana nut bread just so I could bake it and then give them give the results. Back. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think that that's pretty special because that signifies a, reward, a rewarding experience for me in, internally that, you know, definitely this is what it, this is my purpose is to be able to take things, create them and have it benefit not only me, but the other people who, who are at the table as well. And so it's a win-win when you can make it work. And as you said, you know, using local and great, you're benefiting the, the people around you. Yeah. I mean, that's part of our mission, vision values is, you know, start starting, how, how can we affect our community? And, 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 and this is something I, I learned while working with uh, Kate and Ashley at ACR is, you know, their approach to community. It starts with, um, it starts within their, the restaurant walls. It starts with their staff. That's their immediate community, their staff, their vendors working outwards, um, their neighborhood, uh, the city of Raleigh, in our case, the city of Carborough, our region uh, or our state in North Carolina, our region in the south. And we work outwardly from that. So if you look at the scale of community, you can start down. It can be one person right next to you in the kitchen all the way into, you know, our region of, of the south. Love it. Love it. You, um, OK, so you do Roman style pizza. Yeah. I'm going to ask like some really stupid <laughs> yeah. questions. Here, no, it's okay. Yeah. I love pizza and I've eaten a hell of a lot of pizza and I eat it as often as I can, but I don't, I mean, I'll just be straight up. I yeah. don't know what that means. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, some people do, some people don't, some people do. I mean, it's a loaded thing. I understand it. It's a, it's a loaded thing to put out there because really there's a few different styles of Roman pizza, even, even just, you know, if you say pizza Romana, it can mean a few things. So I guess the way I, I kind of explain it is uh, a lot of people think, you know, would associate pizza starting in Naples, mm -hmm. uh, right? Wow. And I kind of, I mean, 
pizza napolitana is definitely one kind of pizza but i think pizza originated uh, a lot a lot longer back than uh, naples was even um, a kingdom at that point you know but it started in the Middle East as a flatbread, and you know even you know Roman soldiers would eat like uh, flatbreads with like figs and honey on top. They would like it's like um, documented, and to me that would be pizza too, right? Yeah. So the idea of pizza to me starts originates as a flatbread. Um, so I think every kind of culture has their version of a flatbread, um, and pizza romana kind of started as this. Um, it was a, it it was sold uh in Rome and as in bakeries and so it kind of would be disguised i think a lot of people might not even consider it pizza the old school version it would be a short like fermentation like 4 to 6 hours that would yield like a almost like a thin unleavened it would look almost unleavened crust mm-hmm. um and uh, it would just be like, it wouldn't even have a crust. They'd usually just brush it with olive oil and salt and rosemary. And that would be the pizza bianca. Or, you know, later they would add the tomato and it would be pizza rosa, which would just be like tomato sauce and sea salt, which we would, we would call marinara. But, um, you know, that's what it was for hundreds of years. Um, and then there's some famous bakeries in Rome uh, where they started kind of elevating it a few decades ago. And pizzerias in Rome started to emerge 30, 40 years ago where they would take that same concept of that short unleavened dough and they would turn it into a round form. And uh, they would, you know, they would, that was the original pizza romana. But still, you're getting this almost a short fermentation, four to six hours, really unleavened uh, pizza dough. Um, so it would be really thin, really thin, and they would push the ingredients almost to the edges, so there was no defined crust. Yeah, um, and that's where pizza. Rom- that's like the birth of pizza romana. Now, uh, it, so you have like the pizza that then we split. So if you follow me here, we mm-hmm. split off into two sections. The so bakeries are still doing the pizza, what they call the pizza tonda or the, the alla pala, um, which would be long, rectangular. They cut by the kilogram. You order it as a bakery they'll just flash it and reheat it for you they still have that in rome today so that can be considered pizza romana or you go to pizzerias in rome now that have that in a round version and you can order it with different toppings on it more like what we think of as traditional uh, pizza toppings Um, but then we get another split when some bakeries in rome started to take that traditional more long rectangular alla pala kind of feel and really enhance the doughs there as far as using natural uh, natural mothers and, and starters and, and, and longer fermentations. And the most notable and probably famous of this is a, a baker called Bonchi out of Rome who's now opening places throughout the United States. But he takes this dough and, and, and makes it into pizza romana that has almost like, it almost increases. It's really just as crispy, but the fermentation is much longer. It's really an incredible pizza that almost people could associate more with like a if you think of like a loaded focaccia bread okay. even though it's not focaccia bread it's still pizza romana it's just with the fermentation it gets much more of a, a spring to it so it's almost sit, sitting about three-fourths of an inch high okay and then he loads that but he still has it in the deli case you still order it by the kilogram he still serves it like the old school version well, i was just going to ask you is why isn't anybody doing that so he's doing that here in the states yeah he opened a place in um in chicago a couple years ago he just opened another one in uh new orleans this year what's his name bonchi b-o-n-c-i what's his place is it called Bonchi? Bonchi, yeah yeah B-O-N-C-I. okay cool and so like he has a few places in rome and he's like 
he's a tremendous baker. He does breads and stuff like that. But that's, again, that's his version of Pizza Romana. And a lot of places run with that. So a lot of times we have people coming in here expecting that. Well, our version that we're doing, and we're a modern Roman pizzeria. So that's really important uh, to understand the conceptual difference. And I'll get into that in a minute. But then we split off into another kind of section of Roman pizza that is going back to that round version that's was a spinoff of the alapala that is uh we call mattarello or rolling pin mattarello means rolling pin but again we just call it pizza romana where you're taking that thin short leaven uh um, uh, the short fermentation thin crust pizza that kind of spun off from the bakeries into the pizzerias and there's a handful of uh pizziolos in rome right now who are doing this and they're increasing the fermentation time and the quality of ingredients that go into that pizza. So what you're kind of yielding is this new branch of pizza that really broke off in the, in the recent, you know, five to ten years um, that, we're, that we're doing here. So it's a natural mother, so we're using natural yeast, um, a starter, like kind of like a sourdough starter, but ours is more neutral than a sourdough. And, um, and we're doing a 24 to 36-hour fermentation mm. on our pizza doughs. Um, so the result is still that thin and crispy aspect that you would get from Pizza Romana. All of them have crispiness to them. All of them have thin, like, crunch to them. Um, so we're still yielding that result. But the undercrust uh, almost gets the leoparding that a Neapolitan crust would because of that longer fermentation. So um, the exterior of the crust really gets these nice pops of bubbles around it. And a lot of times, if you look at them, it looks like a pizza where you would think that the inside would have the gluten development in the dough, but those bubbles are actually crisp and shatterable and the inside is hollow. Mm. So what you get on the exterior is this really shatterable, crisp, bubbly crust on the bottom. You get a crispness that doesn't break like a cracker, like some of those traditional Roman pizzas it rather folds yeah. and it has an undercrust similar to more of a Neapolitan, just not, a, not, not as spongy, but, but more crisper than a Neapolitan crust and then right where the the ingredients meet the pizza you, know, you almost get this nice custardy layer where the dough kind of comes together what time do you all open tonight we're five o'clock five o'clock every night what time are you gonna have the first pizza available? i mean i could make you one right now if you want <laughs> dude i'm literally i'm so, not even joking I, i'm i'm, I'm drooling yes I do so have so one. it's like it's loaded because you know we're you know we're brand new and so people come in and don't really have a concept there's nothing to compare it to, really. Right, yeah. Because I'm not trying to do something different. I'm just trying to do the pizza that I love that and connect like. with the most. And I've tra- you know, I love traveling to Italy, and I try to go once or twice a year. And I always go through Rome, and i got friends in Rome. And so I'm constantly exploring and meeting the pizza, pizziolos in Rome and, and all this. And this new age kind of pizza dough is really attractive to me. Because it's, it's kind of a renegade versus that kind of strict Neapolitan dough. Yeah. And plus the Neapolitan to me, nothing against it. I love all pizza. So I'll even eat, I even love frozen pizza. You know, I could go yeah. off and tell you my favorite frozen pizzas if I had to. But, uh, you know, I <laughs> my don't. My kids di- eat Stouffer's. <laughs> I, <don't, laughs> I don't discriminate against any pizza, you know. I'll even eat you know, like English muffin pizzas, you know. We can rock that. <laughs> like, I'll, I'd love that. But, you know. So, but the pizza that I, re- I really love and have gotten into 
and really it's the pizza that my family loves so we used to always do uh Diggs family pizza night um i said we used to because my wife now doesn't eat glutens or grains because oh. of an allergy and my daughter has gluten intolerance this all happened within the past year as i'm opening yeah. a pizza oh <laughs> is that so autoimmune stuff or uh autoimmune yeah oh. yeah yeah no so well, i know it, dude brother my eight 10 years now my wife's been dealing with a lot of yeah. stuff can't eat gluten so dairy. my wife doesn't eat gluten dairy sugar uh grains like corn corn and wheat, soy, and soy um, rice dude. all that yeah so okay so all i need to talk to you offline because i we are <laughs> literally like since with your experience maybe you can give me some ideas because we struggle all the time with like what the hell do you eat yeah like, we got good we got good good things i mean i try to hook her up but yeah we can talk offline yeah yeah it. sure but so all within the past year so as a family we used to always have like weekly pizza nights that would bring us together and we'd try different doughs and do these different things right and uh and we all settled that when we open you know we would joke like years ago when we open our pizzeria we're going to do this this crust and so uh, we, you know, that was something that I just went full force at when it was time, when I made the decision to open a pizzeria, I said, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing it for fun. This is what we love. And I really think that I have something to offer, uh, the pizza community here, not only just in North Carolina, but in the United States and, and hopefully, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm a big dreamer, but hopefully globally, I think that this is something that is, uh, a very new style of pizza that is again unrelatable so uh, if anyone comes anyone listening comes in just kind of come in with an open mind it'll still translate like pizza you know but you get you know i say thin and crispy but the bottom part is foldable so it's kind of hard it's kind of hard to describe it until you until you have it but um it's something special and i'm just excited that we have the opportunity to do it here and that we are doing it really well and that every day we've been open the pizzas get better and better mm. and um you know uh, just reminds me of the few places i've eaten in rome that are doing our style of pizza as well um and i just don't know if there's anywhere else really or definitely not in north carolina that kind of can you can relate the type of pizza and like i said i'm not saying ours is better than others it's just a it's different just a take on it new style yeah it's interesting man there's i mean pizza places open all the time and it's just and you know from big large ones to local places and that's just an appetite for pizza in, in our culture yeah i mean, I, I mean across the world i mean pizza i guess it's just pizza. Yeah. yeah is that true everywhere yeah 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 i mean that's why like now you got like you know some of the greatest pizzerias in the world are in places like tokyo and you know all across you know that's, awesome. that's not a that's not a uh you know a typical pizza culture but they got great pizzerias out there and have their developing their own style and stuff like that so i think and it's so versatile too right and uh, again it goes back to the origin of yeah. it in my mind being a flatbread yeah. and every culture having a flatbread and it's fun to eat and it's easy to eat yep and uh plus you can get a lot of nutrients on it that's one of the things i like about it like when i was a kid it was like you know cheese or pepperoni or whatever but now it's like i mean you just you can put a lot of good vegetables, meats, yeah. and everything, and just all in one place. Yeah. Like nutrient dense, and, uh, filling meal. Yeah, and you know that's kind of that's kind of the thing. One thing I've kind of gotten a little bit of feedback on. You know, the only negative feedback I've really gotten since we've been open is, you know, your price points too high. And I'm doing like really high quality pizza with really good ingredients. Like our flour comes from Lindley Mills. It's organic. Uh, it's organic flour that's milled. 25 miles away we go pick it up every week so we get freshly milled flour from from an organic mill 
Uh, and you know, we use a natural starter and all of our extra virgin olive oil goes into the dough. It goes on top of the dough. Goes, you know, we only use extra virgin olive oil imported from Umbria. The quality of cheeses, everything we're doing is really high quality, really good for you. Um, really fresh from the earth. And, um, you would think, I think that it's actually, if you look at it from that standpoint, it's a good value. Um, because I think it's just, there's just so many different levels of variation of when I go have a pizza experience. Am I going to a New York style slice shop? where I'm getting a $3 slice and a Coke, or am I having like a pizza experience where I'm going to a pizzeria? And in my mind, America really hasn't gotten to the point yet where we can understand that a pizzeria is like going out to a restaurant. So if you go out to a restaurant and you have a $16 entree, I mean, you don't think that that's outrageous, right? No, no you go, go, I mean, okay. God, so your pizza like a $28 here, ribeye recently or right, something, so or 38 or you something. You know, your pizza here... Is, has the same thought process and quality and, yeah. and technique and effort and energy put into it as, as you know, your main course there. And we're doing a main course here for $16 and you're getting like an experience with it. So probably um, more <laughs> healthier ingredients for 16 bucks. And you might so, get I mean, that, so I, I just encourage people to kind of keep that mindset as well. I mean, I think that that's, that's important when, cause it, you know, it's not well, just about the pizza here. It's also about, you know, it's about uh, we're a pizzeria, so in Rome, the pizzeria culture is not just pizza, right? And I think that that's important to keep in mind too. That's part of our approach: is we're not just doing a pizzeria because of the pizza. We're doing a Roman pizzeria because of the culture of Roman pizzerias. About half the menu in Roman pizzerias, whether you're talking about the bakeries, uh, the the pull-up walkout bakeries, or the pizzerias themselves, uh, have a heavy influence on like snacks and smaller treats and fresh fresh things and fried things and um and things like burrata with anchovies and, and like an eclectic menu it's not just pizza like you would find at a lot of neapolitan places um so like we do some traditional street food like soupli which are like rice croquettes stuffed with mozzarella like it's the roman version mm. of arancini okay arancini being from naples and sicily and the soupli is the Roman kind of cousin of that the stuffed with a hunk of melty mozzarella. And it's like, we always do a couple of those, um, like fried artichokes, like really good salads from the farm, prosciutto and melons on the menu right now, things like that, mm. um, that are, uh, that are decidedly Roman in Roman pizzeria concept. Also the energy and the app and like Aperol spritz. And like we have Prosecco on tap and, you know, it's, that's another thing is a lot of people come in and get upset that we don't have like beer on tap and we serve like Prosecco on tap and, and local cider on tap. Uh, we also have a brewery opening three doors down in a few weeks. <laughs> so I wanted to make sure that people yeah. like could get their beer on tap down there. But, um, you know, the culture in Rome is very much like about the aperitivi and the spritz and, you know, that, that, that early culture and that fun, high energy environment. If you look at our space, the tables are kind of close together like you would expect maybe. Yeah. You can relate it to like a French bistro, almost that high energy. We've got mm -hmm. an industrial feel. It's not quiet in here when, when service is happening, but that's what I wanted. I wanted this high energy, really fun uh, environment where you had neighbors next to you. And it was, yeah. it was almost like a, a, um, a neighborhood experience type of feel. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, um, you know, the, the thing that, the interesting thing about price points and pizza and all that is you're competing with this thing that's been by the big chain sometimes commodity. You know, it's like, hey, seven ninety nine for a large pizza or whatever, you know, this week. or You know, then 
that anchors you. Yeah. So the way I look at it is you're using really good, fresh, local quality ingredients that have massive amounts of uh, nutrients and good things for your body that, and I'm, and again, once again, I've, you know, later in life, I've really started to understand like the long view of Mm -hmm. that's real important to me now versus like, I'd rather have that than something that's cheap, but has cheap ingredients stuff that, I mean, I don't know, maybe the wheat was sprayed with glyphosate or whatever. And it's going to, you know, like all this stuff that you don't really think about. Yeah. Yeah. I really think about now. And I go, you know, like this is why I really think independent restaurants are so, I think you have an advantage like more and more going forward because one end you've got kind of like big, really big chains and, um, that are, you know, have scale, but they're, there's no way they can use good quality local ingredients. Like what y'all can do. And you're, you're telling a story in this community and you're helping people in this community. And it's, um, it resonates, I think, with people more and more today because I think people are looking at, they're paying attention more now. Yeah. They, there's more knowledge out there now. Like, you know where your so. food's coming from. You want to know. Yeah. You probably get more questions about that now than you did 20 years ago. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. where, where do these tomatoes come from or whatever? I mean, uh, people actually think about that stuff now. Yeah. And I think, you know, to me, that's Italian cooking. You know, yeah. is, is, you know, you serve the best food, the food that's freshest, the food that's yeah. most available, that is closest to you, and then you work outwardly from there. But, I mean, yeah, that, when I, a lot of times, in my opinion, like a lot of people eat pizza, and they can feel full, greasy, or gross afterwards, right? Yes. Or, you know, that's another reason why we use natural starter, or a mother, or sourdough starters, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, is because, and that's also why we do the 24 to 36 hour fermentation is because, you know, the dough goes through the full fermentation, the full lifestyle, it digests, it's all natural. Mm. We're not using artificial yeast that creates gas inside your body and stuff like that. Your body can easily digest our pizza dough. It's thin, it's crispy, it's light, it's already gone through fermentation. So it really doesn't sit with you or like weigh you down after you eat it you feel good it feel you feel clean after eating our pizza which i think is like a pretty unique experience when you eat pizza you're usually thinking of like doughy bready kind of like heaviness right yeah for sure absolutely and oil yeah there's a place near us i love it but i can't have it that often because i feel like i feel like i'm gonna have oil coming out of my pores <laughs> like when i eat that stuff like i said i don't discriminate i like no, 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 i like no, no. it all. i mean i like it all too i mean I'm, I'm down with i'm down with all of it but uh but i do pay more attention to that kind of stuff now so um how long did it take you from when you y'all just opened two and a half weeks ago yeah when did you when did you sign the lease um, the lease was signed, um, about a year, a year before. Okay. All right. Yeah. And it was like, that was the decision I made within a month of okay. signing the lease. It was a great opportunity in this location, I think is a great location. So Carborough is, uh, so you're, I mean, we're basically attached to Chapel Hill right here. Yeah. Here. This is awesome location because we're just outside of downtown Carborough and we're kind of like connected to Chapel Hill and we're in the middle of like two major Carborough neighborhoods. So we're not in like downtown area, we're more in the residential area of Carborough. So it's like the expansion of Carborough business into this area. Um, but we're right next to like 54, 15501 pops right by us. So. Uh, really easy to get to Chapel Hill, places like Pittsburgh, um, even Durham's not far away from here as, as, as 
you know, through the whole like scope of like travel and the triangle yeah. and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty accessible. Got a good spot. Good reach. What, what did you do? Um, you said you, um, spent, spent some time or I know I'm going a little bit, but working with Ashley Christensen as a consultant, what does that mean? Like, what do you, why, why did they bring you there and what were you? Uh, well, I, I mean, they have a, a crazy, a crazy, awesome, um, organization. And so when I, you know, was in between, in between opening this and my last position, um, as food and beverage director and executive chef at the Siena hotel and Opali restaurant in Chapel Hill, I left there and, um, I was talking to Ashley and Caitlin. Um, and I was just, you know, I said, uh, do you, is there any opportunity for me with your group? And they said, there might be, you know, let's look into it. And as we were talking, we started to realize that really um, some some of the things that I have gotten to love uh, outside of the food aspect of this industry is the systems aspect of the industry. And I love really digging in and understanding why things are a certain way and how we can improve upon them uh, through system. So um, their company has grown so dramatically and continues to grow so dramatically, whether you look at it from uh, just a, a size standpoint and an employee standpoint to like a um, just notoriety with actually just winning, you know, best yeah, chef in sure. the country, James Beard award. It's just like the amount uh, that they have going on in their restaurant group is so impressive um, that we just saw, it, is there anything that I can help contribute with? So I started um, just kind of working with them to look at the systems of how the restaurants were working and, um, really just hope that I, uh, left a mark and able to contribute, whether that be through like, um, you know, just working with the, the managers and how we organize our weeks for productivity, for efficiencies, um, how we work on training our employees and, um, troubleshooting issues and problems and setting up standard operating procedures that might not have been there. Uh, before and, and and just looking at things from from that aspect not to uh, change but just to bolster and pr- provide a lot more support um, that help catch the support beams up on their restaurant group yeah uh, because they've just been growing so quickly and dramatically yeah for sure for sure um, tell me about um, tell me about your your people um, and what you're looking for when you're, you know, putting your team together, what are the things that matter the most to you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just actually having a conversation with our head chef and I was just saying, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, um, I don't need experience. I don't want experience necessarily. <laughs> I just want people who are right. Like Cause you good, good people. You just have to untrain sometimes yeah. when, you, yeah, I just really the, the, either when you're talking about service or kitchen for me, I'm in the, um, I'm looking for like people that are just good people, genuine people who want to do good job and, uh, who are honest and reliable. Like those are the, if you, if I can feel that through the interview, um, we'll find a position for you, even if I don't have one available, because, um, that means you want to be here for the right reasons. You want to take care of the guests. You're going to contribute as a team member on the team and I tell people also in the interview process you know if you this is what I'm looking for if you're not that it's not going to work out not because um, you know I'm not going to enjoy working with you but because you're going to stick out like a sore thumb and the rest of the staff that we currently have 
and you are not are, are going to bump gonna. heads because if you aren't a team player, if you aren't contributing, if you don't have a great attitude, like that's going to stick out from day one, and people won't won't will we'll snuff that out. <laughs> Do people say they are, and then they wind up not being? Yeah, a lot of times. <laughs> a lot of times. I mean, you get that. Probably, I'd say about forty percent of the people. Yeah. You know, if people say anything, or maybe they don't even they know. They don't, maybe they, they don't know. Right, and, right. They, yeah. and then it's like, what kind of? Yeah, team I'm a team player. player. Yeah. <laughs> I, that sounds sure. good to me. Right? That sounds good to me. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I've been on teams. Oh, and that's <laughs> what you meant. No, no, I'm not that. So I'm fortunate enough that I've worked with probably about. 60% of our staff before okay. um, um, Jared, who's our head chef was a uh, chef de cuisine with me at the hotel. Freddie, who's our sous chef was a, a sous chef with me at, at the hotel, at the Siena hotel. Um, and then on down to even dishwashers that work with us. Uh, I've worked with for, for years. So um, opening a restaurant in, in servers as well. So opening a restaurant is a lot more. Uh, I mean, it was, it was really awesome to see that first week, you know, it was easier to do than I think had I not had previous working relationships with a handful of the people that we work with. But even after that first week, you know, I, you know, I applauded the team and was just like, I was beside myself because if you think about opening a restaurant, like I, I didn't think about this till we actually went through it. it. It's mind boggling to think I'm staring at a pre-shift meeting. I'm staring at 12 people who all, just worked their ass off for six straight days and they all just started a new job that week, right? Yeah. I mean, just think about if you've ever started a new job, yeah. the stress level that it causes, not only for you, but in your home environment, if you're sure. married, for your kids, adjustment, um, even for like some people, you're just taking a gap in pay because you quit one job and two days later you don't have and then you start another job and you have to wait. So there's a lot of stress involved with starting a new job no matter where it's at, right? And to put yourself in an environment where everyone just started a new job mm. is crazy to think about. Yeah. I mean, just to think about opening a restaurant successfully from that aspect alone, just from everyone starting a new job and no one really knowing the environment that they work in, yep. right? It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy just to think about that all aspect. All these different people, all this stuff I have to learn. Yeah. But to think then to add on to that, to look at, you know, in our, in our day one, uh, you know, I was happy with what we did on day one, but by day six, I was embarrassed by what we did on day one because of, you know, wh- because, uh, right. because yeah. of the amount of Makes growth sense. that we went through yeah. from day one to day six was absolutely incredible. And uh, to have a team that's in that stressful environment where they're, they're changing over jobs, it's all new to them yet they're able to adapt and stay flexible and improve day after day is like immensely incredible. So like, uh, just blessed to have the, the, the team that we have, uh, working here. Um, and, uh, I mean, it was, it was a very humbling experience to, to go through that first week process and, and look back on and say, look at everything that was accomplished in the past six days and in the environment, right? It's, yeah. It's hard to do that if you have an established environment. Sure. To go through all that significant change and pressure, right? And guests not understanding your concept and just showing up and, and, and everything involved in it. It was really, really humbling and rewarding to experience that all at the same time. Well, I have to say, man, I mean, you have a, um, there's just a sense of calm in your presence, which is, um, 
says a lot about what you're trying to do and the way you're going about it here because two and a half weeks into opening your first restaurant, I would could have easily expected you to be pretty freaking <laughs> stressed when I got here. Like I was like, I don't even know if I should ask him yet. Like maybe. Yeah, no, but, I mean some, you know, at the end of some nights, like especially at the end of like on Sunday night, the past two weeks is probably, a, yeah. you know, my worst, worst moments of the weeks. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, I mean like, especially on the beginning of the week, you're optimistic and you, and you're positive. And I mean, just, it's a different experience running, owning a restaurant than running a restaurant. You know, I've run a lot of restaurants, but once you own it and you go through the process of, and I don't know if anyone can relate, but, um, just the fact that, you know, I said a handful of people have worked with me before are working here and, um, just the amount of gratitude that I have for that. Sure. These people are making decisions to change their lives. Yeah. Their livelihood is now. And yeah. And, and they're doing it because they believe in the restaurant because they believe in me. Yeah. Uh, and that's a major responsibility. So, uh, every morning when I come in, you know, there's just an immense amount of gratitude that I come in and people are here, um, dedicating and focusing and, expending immense amounts of energy into a project um that came that was born out of my brain you know yeah. i mean it's really i mean if 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 you can't if you can't look at that and be appreciative of it rather than be stressed about it i mean, mm. you, I mean what, that's a, what a great way you know? to think about it uh, yeah absolutely and it is it's an amazing thing it's an idea we already won you know right as yeah. far as the day by yeah. just being here just being together here. and right. being able to do what we want to do and being able to support our families and how we chose to support them um we won so we won by doing it yesterday mm-hmm. and being able to come back and do it today and so that's that's i just take it every day like that and be able to look at the things in life that you're grateful for and understand that they're all based off of thoughts that came out of your brain and collaboration that you have with other individuals in this world yeah. is pretty, is a special thing. It's so. an amazing thing. It's a great perspective you have. Um, did, uh, did you write a business plan? Yeah. I, mean, I think you have to. Yeah. The bank makes you write one. And oh, was, okay. <laughs> Had you ever written one? I've written. Yeah. I mean, I've always been like a little, uh, entrepreneur. I mean, I think I wrote okay. one when I was uh, in middle school and then in high school, I, you know, I had a plan. Um, I went to high school with, uh, it's kind of funny. Um, I was in high school culinary classes with a guy named Dan Justy. Uh-huh. I don't know if you ever heard of him. Uh-uh. Uh, he later went on to, um, uh, we went to culinary school together and he later went on to be the head chef of Noma in Copenhagen. Uh, and has since left and opened up um, a company called Brigade that does uh, that really focuses on um, school lunches in in elementary middle schools. Oh, very cool! Um, but uh, when we were in high school together, we had plans to open our own gelateria. So we would make like gelato um, at high school and like sell it by the pint and quart. Nice. And we would like travel to New York City and Philadelphia. And so we wrote a plan together to open a gelateria in high school so every time and then uh, like every i feel like every few years i had an idea of like that's going to be a great concept i'll do that and so i write a business plan um so i I had a lot of practice and um and uh and uh every time i wrote one i got a little more in depth so this one was a full-blown one and had a lot of details to it so you said the bank request so you got you uh you did a bank how did you fund it bank Uh, sba okay sba loan funded yep Mm -hmm. okay do you like that process? Was that? 
I liked it. Did uh, you have to go to a lot of banks or there? No, we, we, we went, uh, we used first bank, which is a North Carolina based bank. Um, cause the highest SBA lending bank in, in our state. And, okay. um, it was a, it was a good, it was a good process. I mean, it's never fun, uh, borrowing money from anybody. Yeah. Um, but as far as the process goes, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty straightforward and you knew what you're getting into. And, uh, I mean, I'd rather do that than um, really get involved in um, third-party lending or, or sharks or anything like that, you know, or angel investors or things like that. Just because, um, I don't know. To me, it's a lot. It's a lot cleaner. It mm. makes a lot more sense. There's a lot more support behind it, um, especially with SBA. You know, you get good uh, good rates and. Uh, you know, better rates than you would get out mm. on the street. For Don't sure. give up any equity. Right. Either. <laughs> and, and, and the equity stays with you. Yeah. So they're doing, okay. Restaurant. I mean, that's a tough, tough industry to borrow in a lot of times. It's yeah. Yeah. I was lucky. I mean, again, it's one of those things. I mean, is that, we, we, is that part of it because you wrote a really good pl- business plan? I think part of it was a business plan. We also, uh, uh, you know, it's something we're all in, you know, as a family, um, yeah. we sold, we sold a house and downgraded our house so that we would have more equity in the house, um, to put up as collateral and things like that. Gotcha. Which, you know, this is something we really believe in together as a family, um, my wife and my kids. And it was a family decision and it's a family restaurant. And how old are your kids? Uh, 11 and nine. Awesome. Yeah. Boy, girl, two girls, two girls. Yep. Ooh, you're getting ready to have yeah. teenage girl, my friend. Yeah, she started sixth grade this year. So. Yeah, my daughter's 15. <laughs> Gets interesting in a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, They're awesome, pretty man. Pretty interesting now. But, yeah, yeah. It, it always. It, I got. I got a. Uh, she's 15, and I have a 12 year old son and a 10 year old son. It goes by just like that. It's another good thing about you know you're. Uh, you probably get a decent amount of time with them. I mean, versus the. I don't know, maybe what, you know, 120 hour weeks. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, ultimately that's one of the reasons that attracted us to North Carolina. We was in DC for a long time and, uh, Martha's Vineyard thereafter. Yeah. We moved down here from Martha's Vineyard. Um, Martha's Vineyard was great for the three or four months in the winter when I, Mm. you know, basically every business closes, but the other months were just wild. Yeah, uh, with tourism, um, so it was very bipolar. So we moved here. You know, it's a smaller community. Yeah, we live two and a half miles from the restaurant, and I encourage them. You know, I make sure that my wife knows, and they know that you guys can come in here any any time you want. My wife helps a lot with the business as far as bookkeeping and a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. But I want my kids to know that this is an extension of their home. This is yeah. imp- it's important for me to have them feel that way. So they. You know, once or twice a week, they'll put on their Coronado tees and they'll nice. come in and, I mean, they jump right in. They help clear tables without Good asking and that's great. they're learning the seat positions and the table numbers and they want to run food and they help oh, with the host. Great. And They're going to learn yeah. so much from you and your wife yeah. through building this business and growing up in it. That's really cool. Plus, they probably got that entrepreneurial gene running through them. Sounds like it. They're already hustling tables. Yeah, and they're stuff. hustling. I mean, that's that's and good. They man. enjoy the pizza, you know. Yeah, they enjoy eating here. So. That's awesome. So, um, and they're proud you, of it. You know, they go to school and and talk about it, and then I bet all they their do. friends come in here. So it's good. Yeah, they're, they're, they're a little good, marketing yeah, they're, they're sales they're marketing team. people too. <laughs> that's right, man. Word of mouth. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, good. Word of mouth pizza marketing. I love it. Uh, how did you wind up in Chapel Hill when you left Martha's Vineyard? 
Um, exactly that. Or can we just spread a net across the whole country and say, okay, where's where are we gonna go? Because uh, DC was expensive to living yeah. there. Uh, Martha's Vineyard was expensive. Yeah. It was expensive, and both places didn't really offer the quality of life that we were looking for. Um, and so we kind of cast a net over the whole country and said, okay, well, what what are we gonna do? Um, and we probably looked for about a year of where our next spot was gonna be. Um, and my wife's, uh, my wife grew up splitting time between Southern California and Eastern Carolina, uh, Tarboro. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So pretty, pretty nice extremes. There. That's a huge extreme. <laughs> I mean, I'm from here. I mean, I know Tarboro. I know, wow. Yeah. That's a big, yeah, um, big leap. And, um, and so her mom was still, still lives in Tarboro. Okay. Um, so she was familiar with the area. Yeah. So we, she was familiar with the area. We, you know, I still have family in the Washington DC area. So, um, it, it you know, we're not far from DC. We're not far yeah. from other, other relatives in Florida. We're not far from really anywhere. It's a good spot to live. Yeah. Um, uh, as we looked into it, it was just a really great spot to raise a family, good school yeah. systems, yeah. good community. Um, I like, you know, my, my family is more from the South. Um, and so I grew up like traveling and visiting relatives all throughout the South. And to me, North Carolina has a great Southern feel to it without being too deep South. Sure. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, and I also love, love kind of that it is, it's, to me, it's unique in the South where it, it it's an area, the triangle is an area in the South where you're in the South, but you have such international influence because of the uh because of the markets that are yeah. in the triangle and because of the universities that are in the triangle and so it was like just a it felt good like a good fit like we were going to the south but we were still connected to the entire world we were you know so it was like really cool from that aspect and you know so it was on our top five list just and serendipitously um i got to talking to the the folks who own the um, siena hotel yeah. and that was a perfect fit for me at the time because uh, it really allowed me to you know i helped renovate the restaurant and, and really explore regional italian cooking f- in full depth there with them um so it was a great uh, opportunity for me uh from a professional standpoint that kind of serendipitously happened with uh that li- aligned with our personal kind of goals nice nice it's a good place you picked well yeah it's a good good part of the country um growing too i mean Carborough being outside of Chapel Hill, I mean, I, I think this, you know, this yeah. is in the near Durham and Raleigh. But there's such a great. It's like I was telling you before we started, <clears throat> you know, recording. I mean, there's the culinary scene around here is really booming. It um, is. It's. It, it is. I mean, Raleigh's got a lot of people. Raleigh. Just. I mean, really amazing. good food. Really like, good. Incredible. Food in like. Yeah. I'd put it up there with almost anywhere. I, I mean, it's, I, it, I don't think people, people are starting to figure Start, that out, but, yeah. um, I mean, I think it's like, it's, 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 it's teeming to be like, uh, like just, I mean, I think just overall, I think that Raleigh is pretty incredible. Durham is pretty incredible. Yeah. You know, Chapel Hills kind of like with Andrea Lantern and it kind of started a long time ago, but the whole triangle scene is really, it's a little spread out, but it's, it's also pretty impressive pretty damn impressive to, to think impressive. about the the quality of uh, chefs and restaurateurs in this area in north carolina yeah it's really you can't really relate it to anywhere uh-huh. else in the country right now i think um again maybe maybe it's a little bit premature um but i see it from behind the scenes and i know that it's only 
like we're only picking up momentum and steam. And That's awesome. And I'm so grateful to be part of the, the restaurant community here. It's a great one. It's a great one. It really is. I admire y'all. I put y'all in this big collective box in this area. I just, every one of, uh, every owner I interact with here, I'm just impressed and from so many angles. The, the perspective y'all have on not just the food, but the community around you, um, the food culture, a lot of good stuff happening too with, um, Asheville. Yeah. Um, marijuana, Ronnie's there. Chidi's here in Ron, the Brown and Brown in the yeah, South. Yeah, yeah. Movement. I mean, it's been great. so freaking cool seeing what they're doing. Uh, and then one thing I want to ask you about with, um, changing gears real quick. And I want to wrap this up for your time, but, uh, Ben's friends, are you familiar with Ben's friends? I'm familiar. Yeah. Steve familiar. Palmer down there in mm-hmm. Charleston. Yeah. That was, a you know, a, a movement he started, but it's nice to see that. It's nice to see a lot of folks like yourself taking the lead with sobriety and really promoting that within the industry. It's, I just, I think that's great. I mean, the business is just really, uh, benefits from that in so many ways. So, yeah, uh, I, I mean, it's something, you know, anything that works for me in my lifestyle that I could, you know, help, hopefully, um, help contribute you know, that's the whole goal of being human is contribute to others. Right. And yeah. help, uh, help improve others lives through your own, um, understanding of it. So, um, you know, it was a big moment for me, big change in my life when I'm, when I'm going through all these processes of involvement and growth. Um, so I'm not going to promote it necessarily for a reason other than to help hopefully, um, be a, a a leader from by example yep if that makes sense sure sure uh vegetarian let me do so not vegan so you still eat what is it you eat eggs and yeah I, I mean we still do i still do eggs and and dairy so vegan would be no dairy no eggs yeah um so yeah. i still have that but we do you know i'm conscientious of uh, of all that stuff and again my wife doesn't eat dairy either yeah. or, or at least cow's milk sometimes we'll cheat with sheep or goat's milk or something yeah. like that but yeah. um uh so i try to cut back on the cow's milk dairy but so we have a lot of you know different cheeses here sheep's milk uh goat's milk buffalo milk cow's milk um mm. just as cheeses to offer on different pizzas but uh we also make our right now and we'll, we'll expand it a little bit but right now we're making almond milk ricotta in-house so uh, our pizzas are vegan and we can substitute almond milk, uh, cheese that we make in house. Um, if anyone wants. And so far, a lot of people in the community have been excited that we can, um, we, we do high quality almond milk oh, here as well. So I need to so, bring Lauren here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and things like, you know, it's vegetarian focused and things like that. But again, we're, we're Roman, modern Roman street, modern Roman pizzeria. So we even have things like one thing I love is we make uh, fresh, uh, chickpea and fava bean falafel here as as one of our menu items mm-hmm. um, and a lot of people that's just a, just for conceptual reasons I, I point that out because uh, we pull our influence through modern Rome it's not like a classical cuisine necessarily it's a an aspect of cooking it's a very new cuisine even if you think about Amatriciana and Cacio Pepe and you know Carbonara those are relatively new within you know the 1900s as far as the food scenes and so when we're pulling from Rome, we're, t- we're taking all the influence that the immigration has had into Rome as well, and falafel are common street food. You have falafel shops all throughout Rome, and fried snacks are very common in Roman pizzerias, and I'm vegetarian, and falafel are vegan, and so 
to me, like we do, we grind our own uh, fresh fava beans and, and, mm. and that we add fava beans for the Roman slant to it, but chickpea and fava bean falafel that's fresh. Uh, we serve it with a tahini yogurt, but if you take the tahini yogurt out and just do a tahini, which we do for vegans, um, you know, that's, that's another thing. We, we want to be approachable to everybody. And that's, yeah. again, what uh, Roman pizzeria should be. It should be approachable for the neighborhood that you're in. Love it. Love it, man. Uh, all right. We're buttoning up on our time limit. I, w- I wanted to make sure we didn't uh, hit it. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. I, this is fun. I can talk all day, I guess. <laughs> I love it, man. I love I love. Well, look, th- and thank you for the business. We're proud to serve y'all. Appreciate it. Yeah. Man, very much. It. Um, you guys are awesome. It helps out with the, you know, I did, it, I started working with it when I was at, with Ashley at a Ashley Christian restaurant group. And when I uh, opened up Coronado, it was a no brainer just because of the, uh, the ease that schedule fly has with like helping. Uh, I don't know if this is like a, um, uh, this is like a commercial or something, but uh, <laughs> just the ease of, uh, you know, go right have, ahead. I don't mind. <laughs> yeah, sure. Having, 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 you know, the staff, it really, the staff loves it. Having to be able to switch schedules easily and commute, have a one place for communication about schedules. And I mean, just, it's a really great system for scheduling. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and I'm a systems systems nerd. So appreciate like it. it I love it. We, we, we appreciate it very much. No, that's fine. We don't have sponsors like most podcasts, you know, it's like right. you got to listen to all these ads right. and that stuff. So there, well, there's our ad. Um, <laughs> Teddy, thank you. I, dude, I, I am, uh, if it's not too, and if it is too much trouble, it's cool. Cause I know you guys nah. are busy, but, and I'll even linger for a while, but I, I, dude, I want one of these pizzas. Yeah, like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> so, all right, y'all. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll have more soon. See you.